Hey there. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Lakeside. I'm your host, Daniel Stombaugh, and I'm glad you're here with me today. We are going to have a transformational day today. We're going to take the next few minutes and talk about our identity in Christ, that is who we are in him and who we are to him. And this is powerful because identity brings purpose. Let's get started. Song of Solomon chapter number one, and we're in verse number nine today. And honestly, we look at up until this point at this dance, this song that has been coming into um, into louder and louder in both its melody and its lyrics and in its message. And so when you read verse number one of Song of Solomon, where he makes the claim that this is the greatest song that has ever been sung, you look at that and you tend to think, well, wait a minute, how is this? How is that this the greatest song? And and what makes a great song great is not the lyrics and is not the melody, it is the message. And so the message up until this point has been one of value. It has been one of redemption. It has been one of reconciliation. It was this king uh, reaching down and making this shepherd girl something greater than she ever thought she could be. He made her royalty. He made her a queen. And the whole process of redemption, when you think about us and the fact that God came to redeem us, uh, he came to reconcile us, the Bible says. And when you see that process, what that entails, it doesn't just mean all of a sudden we become of our pinky fingers lifted up and we drink our tea because we've been made royalty. It, may, it means that we've been reunited in our spirit with the God of the universe, exactly as we were when he first put man into creation. We were one We were one together. It was not God up here and man down in the garden. It was us together. And sin, if anything, uh, caused disruption in that. It caused that fall of man. It caused that uh, disassociation. It caused that breach. And what Christ did is he restored fellowship between man and and the Father. He restored fellowship between us and an almighty God. And what's awesome to me is that this newness of life is not based upon my actions. It's not based upon my behaviors. It's based upon what Christ has done for me. And if anything, the exciting thing for me as a Christian is to grow in my understanding of just exactly what was given back to me at the cross. The cross changed everything. It didn't just give you a new future. It gave you a new past as well. And so you started at the cross. Everything has changed since then. And so it's not just me trying to make up or atone for this life of sin. It's me understanding who I now am in Christ, and I walk forward and walk boldly. And so we saw yesterday in the podcast where he was talking to her, and he was explaining to her uh, of his heart for her, and she makes this awesome statement. Remember she said, where are you going to be? Because I want to be around you. I want to do life with you. I want to notice things about what you see. I want to be so intimate with my understanding of your heart that when I see things and I'm, I don't feel close to you, when I, when I see things to you that would stir your heart, it stirs me too. When I'm out and about and I see things or I hear a song that would stir your heart, I want it to stir me too. And when I see a color that, that catches your eye, I want it to catch my eye too. If I, if I see a, an act that, that stirs you with compassion, I want to be so close to you that it stirs me with compassion too. And that's the desire of our heart. It's not just a license, man. Uh, since, since you have been redeemed and you've been made perfect and it's not your righteousness, and, and how there's nothing you can do to undo what God has done for you. Uh, there's that mindset that says, well, if you believe that, then you'll just run off and do whatever it is you want to do. And I say, correct. Now, what is it you want to do? Because the cross changed my wanter. 
It changed my wanter. How shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, Paul said in Romans. It's not, it's not a license to go do whatever you want. This grace is not just this license to go do whatever you want. If anything, it draws us tighter to the one who gave us the grace to say, man, you are awesome, and I want to be around you, and I want to live my life from you. And so we're in verse number nine today. And, and understand this, that when you see passage of Scripture that says, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you, I have heard those twisted outs that say, well, you know what? you got to prove yourself to God, and if you prove yourself enough, then you can bring his presence in. It's almost like King Kong, if you ever watched that movie where the natives were out front and they were bang, banging on the big drums and they were chanting, Kong, 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 you're right? And they're calling outside this gigantic wall for King Kong to appear. And all of a sudden, way back in the jungle, you see the tree trops start to move, right? You hear this loud, you know, King Kong's coming. It's like the presence of God is coming if I do enough things. And I lived much of my life that way with that understanding that I got to do so much to try to make God appear, to bring him into my life, to bring him. It was like my actions could keep him there, you know? But the fact is God is so much bigger than my actions. He's so much bigger than my understanding. We should always be willing to leave familiar for what is true. The fact is that I've been made close by God. Paul said if you go and engage in sin, you're, you're bringing God of the universe with you. He's that close. The king is there. You're standing in his bedchamber. You're there looking him in the eyes, and there's nothing that you could ever do that can undo what he did to bring you into that bedchamber. And so we look at this aspect of God, and she speaks to the king, and she says, man, I, I want to be with you. I want to be close to you. And then he responds. She's drawing close to him. And the fact is, every time you respond to God and you reach out, our life is a series of responses. And when you respond to the wooing of God, when you respond to his heart, he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man hears my voice, I'll open, and, and I'll come in and sup with him, and he with me will fellowship one with another. That verse was not written to unsaved people. That verse was written to the believer. And he said, listen, I'm going to knock on your heart's door. My knock is not going to sound like um, what you think it should be. He says, man, I'm going to knock on your heart's door, and it's going to sound an awful lot like a circumstance or a trial or, a, or a, uh, an incident in your life that challenges your faith, but that is my knock. And when you draw close to me, when you want to know my heart on a situation, instead of asking God, why did this happen? But when you respond, God, what is it you want me to know about your heart through this? When you respond with that, God says, you're drawing close to me, and if anything, you learn more about how I feel about you. And so he's speaking back to her, and she says, man, I want to be around you. And he said, he told her some steps to take to be close to her. And he says, man, listen, just follow the tracks. Follow, follow where you're seeing my tents move and, and don't let your, don't take your eyes off of where I am. If you want to see me, keep your eyes focused on me. And then he just stops right out of the blue and he speaks to her. And I imagine as he stands there, she's responding to his initial, um, his initial um, statement and declaration of love. She looks at him and he responds back to her and he looks her in the eyes and he just reaches up and he touches the side of her hair with his hand and he says to her, I've compared thee, oh my love to a company of horses in Pharaoh's chariots. That's verse number nine of chapter one. And when I first read this verse, I gotta be honest with you, I sat there and said, God, what is it you want me to know about your heart for me through this? I compared you to a company of horses. And then I realized what he compared her to. He said, I didn't, com didn't compare her to a camel. <laughs> he compared her to a horse. He said, well, that would not be a very romantic thing to do. But when you look at what a horse was, horses were not widely popular in Jerusalem at that day because a horse was, um, remember the Bible talks about don't put your strength in horses or chariots and, and there's a reason for that because the Israelites would turn like any other kingdom and, and depend on those for their victory instead of God's name and he said don't depend on that stuff but here he is, Solomon brought horses from Arabia, he brought horses there into the kingdom and it's for the very first time horses actually made their way there and these were the horses of the king. Now, 
to bring a horse there and to require two things. It required, number one, for you to build a place or an environment, create an environment that a horse can grow in and the horse can thrive in. And it had to be similar to where that horse came from. So you had to build that environment. And then, two, you had to go get the horse uh, and to bring it to you. And this was not just a, a quick run to the market or a quick run down the street. This was, let me go into Egypt to Pharaoh because the horses that Pharaoh had were extremely beautiful. They were, they were, they were elegant and they were, they were just powerful. And he said, I compared her to that because the cost associated with that. He said there was a tremendous cost and a price that was paid for me to go to the almost the end of the earth to bring this horse and to bring it safely across the desert and to travel with that horse and to keep it nourished and keep it alive in a harsh environment, but to take care of that thing. Every step that horse made was under the careful, watchful eye of the king's servants, and they made sure that horse arrived there in splendor and arrived there in beauty. And can you imagine the day, the day of arrival for that horse? Everything was ready. The, the, sta- the stable and the stockade, everything was ready for that horse. The crewsmen were all there. They were trained, ready to take care of that horse. And all of a sudden, the gates of the city opened up. But this was not just a, let me just walk this horse casually. And this was a big event. A horse was a big event. So all of a sudden, the gates are open. The streets are lined with people as they're watching as this horse has come down the street. And these didn't, weren't just wild horses. These things were beautiful, and they were maintained, and they were groomed, and they were elegant, and they were cared for because they belonged to the king. And here they come, walking down the streets, and the cheers that go up because people are excited to see a horse and excited to see this. And Solomon looks at this horse coming down towards him and his heart swells because he was powerful enough to make this happen. Like he reached across the planet at the time and brought a horse into into an environment that was not the horse's original environment. He said, I brought this horse there. It was elegant. It was a symbol of power and strength. And he said, only I could have done this. I am a king that is powerful enough to reach across to the end of the world. Man, I read this and I think of John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. How powerful is God to reach down across the planet to go to the ends of the earth to make a way to I and so you can um, can walk through the gates of his kingdom to walk into his palace and to walk into his environment and say I belong to you. How awesome is that? How awesome is that? Paul said in 1 Thessalonians he said this he said I my, my greatest glory is that I belong to God. I'm his. I'm his. A horse is very beautiful because a horse is very, very muscular. A horse is very uh, independent. When you see that horse, one thing that always strikes you is about that horse is that it's free. Even when that horse is tied to an apple cart, it walks in freedom. Man, you see horses run across the plains or out in the Rocky Mountain areas, you know, out in Montana and Wyoming, you see these horses in the in the movies that are all running in these wild herds, and they're just free, just a free spirit. Man, they breathe out freedom, and you cannot tame that horse. You cannot, it'll let you put a saddle on it, but there's something about that horse that is always free. Even in servitude, that horse has an attitude and understanding of its freedom and of its ability. Even when it's tied to an apple cart. Even when it walks in environments where it normally would not walk in or want to walk in. That horse always maintains an attitude of freedom. I think of Joseph in the Bible where Joseph was put in the prison. And he was offered his freedom. His response was beautiful when he was declared free. He said that a command cannot free a slave. You're either free or you're not. And your mindset is either free or it's not. A man who the Son hath made free, you are free indeed. Someone said, what is your greatest achievement this life up till now, Daniel, and I say the understanding that I'm free. I'm free. Man, I may not feel free sometimes. It never changes the fact that I truly 
have been made free. You and I are free in Christ. You and I are strong. We're cared for. The fact is, when he compared her to a company of horses, it was not a backhanded compliment. This was the greatest thing that stirred his heart. Man, he said, you know what? One of the greatest days for me as a king was when I watched the gates of my city open up and I saw these horses walk in and I saw the reaction of the crowd around me when those horses came in and realized that I was strong enough to do this. Like I was more powerful, <laughs> you know? When I think of that verse, it says, great rejoicing in heaven when one sinner comes to repentance. Man, they lie in the streets of heaven, and when the gates open, it says we're seated in heavenly places with God. And when you came to the knowledge of God, when you came to the understanding of him as your Savior, like it wasn't just this casual thing that you sort of slip in and you just add a number. Like it just sort of, the numbers jump of, you know, people that accept Christ, those numbers jump on the tally boards. The gates of the city opened, and the king's heart beat just a little bit faster because you were walking in, like you were one with him again. And to me, that is powerful. And the king, when he looked at her and he was looking in her eyes, he said, man, you stir my heart right now. And the last time my heart was stirred like this was when this event took place in my kingdom. I compared thee, O my love, to a company of horses in the Pharaoh's chariots. Like you are that beautiful. You know, we go through life and sometimes we make mistakes. We don't respond. We don't do the things that we should all the time. Paul, even Paul said, the things I do, I don't do. And the things I want to do, I don't. The things I shouldn't do, those things I do. But that doesn't change the fact how God sees you. Because God gave you his righteousness. He looks at you and he said, man, you take my breath away. I want you to do this for homework today. I want you to take this, take a through a five card and a little Sharpie marker or lipstick and write it on your mirror or whatever you want to do. Just remind yourself and write this out. I am breathtaking to God. I am breathtaking to God. Well, Daniel, I don't feel breathtaking. I didn't ask you what you feel. I ask you, what does this word reveal? I am breathtaking to God. You know, I don't, I don't know how many people consider me to be breathtaking here on earth. <laughs> but I do know this, that God finds me breathtaking. I don't understand it, but I accept it. Like, wow. Wow, your heart beats faster when I call your name. Your heart beats faster when I speak your name, God. Your heart beats faster when I choose you over so many other options that seem to make sense. Your heart beats faster for me. You find me breathtaking. And let me just tell you, God finds you breathtaking as well. When you speak his name, when you sing about him in the car, when you sing about him in the shower, when you call his name up, when you hear about some disturbing or distressing news at work and you immediately call his name up, God finds that breathtaking. Wow, you stir his heart because only he was strong enough to bring you to a place where you could do those things. It's never just a task for Solomon. It was never just a, let me go ride horses today. For Solomon, every time the word horse was mentioned, what came to mind was the expense. What came to mind was the involvement, the effort that it took to bring that horse there. What came to mind was his own power in order to make it happen. It was never just, let's go ride horses today, Solomon. Let's go for a horse ride around the, the kingdom. No, 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 no. When that horse came around the, the, the paddock there into the, the front of the palace view for, them, for Solomon to ride, he looked at that horse and it stirred his heart of his own sense of power. Man, when God sees you, he says, I redeemed her. I redeemed him. 
and they're calling my name. They are in the safety of my, of my kingdom. They're within my walls. They're under my watch. They're under my care. They're in my line of sight. And they're choosing to call me. They're choosing to be with me. They're choosing to run after me. They're choosing to draw close to me. They're choosing to want to know what stirs my heart. They're choosing to say, Holy Spirit, open my eyes to what stirs the Father's heart today. They're choosing to write down a little reminder of them of their own value to me on the mirror or on the 305 card or in their car. They're choosing to write out the words, I am breathtaking. They chose to do that because they wanted to be reminded of how I feel about them. That's what God thinks. Man, I'm telling you, this is beautiful and stuff. So when he says, I compare these oh my love to a company of horses don't laugh at that scripture because that scripture is so beautiful in its depth you're just like whoa this stuff is awesome god you are the ultimate lover man you find me breathtaking what a beautiful beautiful thing so i challenge you today to write out the words i am breathtaking because nothing would have stopped the king of kings from sparing expense to bring you to his presence you are looked at with extreme value to him. You may not value yourself. You may not value anything you've done in life up until now, but understand that you are valued by God. He was captivated by you. He remembers watching you, man. He's just like the king across the room watching you talk to people. And when you looked over at his eyes, bam, it's connection, breathtaking to God. He longs to be your source. He longs to be your understanding of provision He longs for you to understand his protection of your heart and of your life. He longs for you to understand, just like that horse, uh, to understand that you have been uh, pursued, you have been wooed, you have been sought after, and he has you. He has you today. Man, that's awesome. Today I want you to walk in your value to God. No matter who or what would try to convince you differently, you have made God the wealthy king. Says we are His jewels and His crown. We are we added to His richness. You, God finds you breathtaking today, man. I hope you have a fantastic day today. Tomorrow we're gonna jump right into this beautiful picture in. Uh, of our, our, the view that God has of us. And I cannot wait for you to see this because this is so awesome when we start to jump into Song of Solomon chapter 1 and verse number 10 tomorrow. It's going to rock your socks off. Thanks so much for being with me today. Make sure you give away your smile today. Your smile is your source and the world is hungry for your source. Thank you so much for being here. God bless you. Have a fantastic day.